We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle beat Burnley by two goals to nil at Saturday at St. James's Park, and it was absolutely lovely to experience at Witness. I'm Alex. I'm here with Johnny Greenwood, Joel Bland, and Charlotte Robson to talk about what happened and why and what happens next. First of all, for me, we're on Patreon. It's three to eight pounds a month. Come and join us on that for a massive week. For Newcastle United, as we build up to our first home Champions League game in 20 years, Paris at home. We're going to have an opposition view. We're going to have a preview and much, much more. Love to see you on that. There's a link in the description to this podcast if you want to get involved. And first of all, Johnny... Good day yesterday, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, it was a lovely day, wasn't it? Going Saturday, three o'clock, watching Newcastle win a, a game of football in the Premier League. It, it was lovely. It was comfortable. It was, I'm going to say, a professional job in the end. And it, it wasn't exciting. It wasn't over the top. But there was one or two little moments. And it was worth, you know, going to watch Newcastle United do well. Because it, we, I think we probably, a lot of fans going into this game thinking, oh, we're in three, four, five. And there was a young lad who was like six years old thinking, no, we're going to win 10 nil today. Like, <laughs> you haven't watched Newcastle United too long then. But um, in, in all in all seriousness, it was, I'm starting to get towards that sort of overconfident fan, but I'm just not there yet. Because I was like, oh, I'll, I think we'll be two nil win today. So I was, I was quite happy that I got the prediction right. But I'm not at that stage where you're like Man City, you know you're going to win at least mm. two or three nil and then anything else is like, ooh, that'll be, that'll be nice. But um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a comfortable day, wasn't it really? We've knocked Man City off their perch now. They can't win. They can't win <laughs> since we beat them. Um, yeah, it was just class. It's just, it was, it is, it's, it's, an, it's an odd feeling to kind of get used to that um, comfort in dominating the game um, controlling the game. I don't know if dominating is the right word because I feel like that's much more of an active word, like, but controlling the game, first five minutes, six, seven minutes, like bedding into the game, getting um, a sense of it. And and Burnley had that early chance early on. And, and then, um, and then after that, it was just, it was just kind of smooth sailing. We just controlled it. It was easy. It was really nice to watch. It was, it, there were enough moments that it felt like there was a little bit of jeopardy or a little bit of excitement. It was just a, it was just an all round classic game of football in which Newcastle won 2-0. I also predicted 2-0, so I was, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. I, I agree. And I like the term professional job because I think that that's exactly what we did. It wasn't flashy, but look, other than the first 10 minutes, it was a dominating performance. Um, if you if you look on the table now, we're top of um, big chances created, which says something. You know, fair enough, we're, we're underperformed our goals, um, expected goals 
yesterday, but look, I think it was solid all round. There were some top performers, which we'll dive into as well. So yeah, good day at the office. Yeah, really good day. And I'm just, I'm really impressed. Okay. First of all, that this is the kind of result that particularly doing these podcasts over the years just causes you so much hassle. And even last season, we had a real issue at times against members of the bottom 10. I'm thinking Bournemouth at home, Palace mm. at home, Leeds at home, Leicester at home. They're poor results. If you, if you are a, a team as good as us and you're not winning these games, they're bad results at home. And there's four off the belt that was maybe more yes, you know, last season that right away there's eight, eight points left out there. And in addition, if you look at those fixtures, the XG in them wasn't maybe as high as it could have been. And that was going into this season. Can Newcastle United, yeah, we know we can, they can do it against the, the, the top five to ten at home. Record last season was superb against those sides. Not so good against the teams above us, but we're in those games and they could have gone different ways. If Newcastle were going to improve or at least replicate what we did last season, they're going to have to improve against the bottom ten because the bottom ten at home should be 30 points. It doesn't always work that way. Football's a game with two teams in. It should be 30 points. I'm so impressed that yesterday was just so routine. I've been waiting for these wins my whole life. You turn up, the opposition has, you know, a bit like Sheffield United away, really. The opposition is going to show you their card in the first 10 because they can't go behind and they can't start slowly. So that if they're going to have any big chances, more often than not, it's going to be in the first 10 minutes. That happened, Newcastle get through that. I mean, Dan Byrne just kind of falls over to allow it to happen, which is, yeah, which is a bit of a strange one. So I don't even think it was like Newcastle badly defending. It was just a bit of bad fortune. But to get through it and control the game, like you said, Charlotte, like we did, just incredibly pleasing. And and on, on such results are good seasons built. You know, give me eight or nine of those a season where you don't have to think about it too much afterwards, apart from we who record this kind of stuff and you who listen to them who are only Cast United mad. But you can just move on and we can all think about Paris. There are no recriminations about mischances, about substitutions, about all these other kind of things. Instead, it's just get me to Wednesday, mm-hmm. get the team to Wednesday. We have Paris at home. So just a really, really pleasing, promising day and result. And there are aspects of it we need to talk about in terms of performances, in terms of tactics a little bit certainly in terms of injuries and team selection and where that leaves us moving forward. But yeah, j- just a really pleasing day. And one of the things that I was so impressed about is second half. You know, we had all those chances first half to make it two, and we, sh- we, should have, we should have gone in more than two at half time. But second half, we just recycled the ball and kept the ball so well, particularly in the middle part of the pitch, which Burnley were really keen to disrupt. Mm-hmm. It just meant Burnley just tied themselves out. And... and those kind of games being as comfortable as they are, don't, it doesn't happen by accident. There's a plan in the second half. I think Eddie speaks at halftime saying, great first half, should have scored more. Let's just, let's just calm it down second half. And, and you saw a few of the players saying that, like calm down second half. We don't need to throw men forward. And I think the penalty that Burnley win is just a result of them being knackered, knackered mentally, knackered physically. And the lad makes a tackle to win us the game. They had a lot of, um, they had a lot of, in that second half, they they were certainly getting t- tired mentally because they were making really stupid mistakes. They were playing yeah. really scrappily. So it, it I, I totally think it's that. They were just exhausted. They couldn't keep up with Newcastle. Um, they couldn't keep up physically. They couldn't keep up mentally. And um, I totally agree with you. It was, it was very nice. Very nice. I think one thing I will say, and I'll give Bernie a little bit of credit, they've not changed the way that they've set up going from the championship and walking the championship and coming to a top four team and going, well, no, we're, we're still playing the same sort of 
way. It's the same blueprint. It's the Guardiola blueprint. Maybe the they company. should stop though. It's I not th- working. I've th- th- seen both sides of the argument because you'll you'll see a lot of teams go, no, we'll play five at the back and we'll try and make a point. But if you go one nil down after five minutes, what, what happens? Mm. And so I can kind of see both sides of the argument. What I would say is that when we did get the grasp of what Burnley wanted to do and you know, their keeper probably had the most touches out of anybody on the on the team yesterday because they were so reliant on him to, you know, spray the balls left, right and centre. Um, hopefully Nick Pope could watch that because that would be really good if he could do that <laughs> occasionally because that's the only thing he needs to really work on is his footwork, as we all know. But in terms of that, I think we really, we, we kind of got grips to it quite quickly after that first 10, 10 minutes or so where we thought, oh, actually, this is a different kettle of fish in terms of a, a, a promoted side, but... Yeah, I can only really echo what you've all been saying, really. I think it was comfortable. The, the goal from Mickey was outstanding. And I think it just settled the nerves a little bit. It was like, whew, yeah, we've, we've got we've got that goal. But I, I, I think it was just a matter of time getting that second goal. But as long as as long as it's going to be 1-0, you always think, well, it's just going to be typical Newcastle that it's a 93rd minute header or something and, and Burnley nick a point. But, excuse me. But, uh, yeah, relatively comfortable. Let's move on to Paris and hopefully try and beaten Bappe and Cole. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I thought it was just, it was so comfortable. Like you said, Alex, there wasn't any big sort of token points during the game that would have to dwell over after and, and painfully tweet about on Twitter. It was just Newcastle done a solid job. we got the win and that's that. And like like you've just said, we can now go into Wednesday and experience what some, it, it's, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I can't wait. Yeah, Burnley are credible, by the way. They're not Sheffield United or indeed Luton. If that's harsh on Luton, I don't know because Luton are now, you know, above Burnley in the league. But Burnley yesterday looked to me like a side who can go away from home and win the Premier League. Like you both, you all said, they take risks and they they play some football. They did really weirdly. They play some football. They really weirdly. Their main tactic, after listening to how few long balls they play from their fans before the game, thought we'll just put our smallest lad on Dan Burn and try and hit long balls to him and. Dan Byrne, will have, you know, Dan Byrne was just like, thanks very much, Vincent. <laughs> First name terms, obviously. But yeah, I think Dan Byrne, more, more aerial wins than any other player on the pitch, which you'd expect it being Dan Byrne. But that was a that was a bit of a strange one. But never mind that. Newcastle were very, very good yesterday. Three Premier League wins in a row after three defeats in a row. Five clean sheets in a row, which is especially pleasing probably to, to everyone who's a Newcastle fan. But particularly, I think Eddie Howe will be over the moon with that. That'd be so important to him. And we, we know we now have two games left before this international break which are very very exciting and, and we can really put some pressure on the teams above us my favorite thing to do was look at the past and think what if not just in football but in life and right. uh, if Newcastle hadn't shit the bed against Liverpool in that last 10 minutes they'd be third in the Premier League right now which you know I think it overall Newcastle this season have looked like a very good side they had a bad spell against some tough teams yesterday showed that any team come to St James Park, but particularly maybe the bottom 10 to 12 clubs are, are going to do very, very well to get a point this season if we can replicate that kind of performance. Yeah, I think I think what it, I think what what we need to remember is actually the first seven games that we've had, Burnley obviously are the lowest ranked team that we've had to face, but it's taken, well, Burnley and Sheffield United are on a par, but that first five games, you've got, we've got to remember that those five games that we've had, that they're brutal. They're, they are brutal. Like Brighton away, Villa at home, Man City, Liverpool, Brentford. Like Brentford, I know it's not the, the Brentford it has been the last couple of seasons, but they're still a, a credible team. And it, I think I think twelve points from the first seven games is it par? Is it a little bit less than what we should expect? I don't know. I don't think we're that far off from par, essentially from the, from the first seven. But when you look at the games coming up, if we can, like I said, we'll talk about injuries a little bit later. But if we can kind of keep a solid team going forward, there's no reason why we can't be in the top four in the next couple of games because. 
we're catching teams up rapidly. Yeah, I mean, I, I just echo that. I mean, and I've said loads, I've said on all the all the podcasts, you've got to really reinforce how difficult them opening fixtures really were in compared to like other teams. Like I genuinely think Burnley was the only other side who had not not as difficult, but a difficult, a really difficult start. And, you know, I, I was never sort of in the boat of, and I mean, I'm sure you use none of you were as well. And it was like, how I was feeling the pressure, all of this, that that was just kind of camaraded by, I feel, social media, specifically Twitter. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's all gravy baby now. Like, oh. it, it really is. Like, right. we got past them, them first three fixtures. And then I, I said, like, I think we'll go and win the next five. And look, we're three out of five. Win the next two. And that I'm sure will be, be in the top four. We're going to leave it there for part one of the show. Uh, a couple of adverts coming up. If you want to listen to this part in its entirety without the adverts, we release them on our Patreon platform. It's only £3 a month for that tier. And it supports this podcast and keeps us going. So back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Part two of the show, Charlotte, I know you're very keen to talk about injuries, um, which is on, you know, in the minds of many Newcastle fans, so take it away. Yeah, I just, I wanted to bring this up because I thought yesterday went really well, as we've discussed in part one, and then loads of people texting me were like, oh, injuries are a concern, aren't they? Injuries are a big concern, and I was like... We've just beat Burnley in third year um, with like managing those injuries. So Sven Botman's potentially out for a month. Um, he he didn't pay yesterday. Lascelles comes in and 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 manages pretty well. Yes, it's Burnley and I understand that. And I know we've got PSG and I know that's 
um, a, a bigger fish to fry. But I do think that we can cope with what we've got this isn't last season we do have options we've got people coming back in all the time we've got youth um talent that is really exceptional and we have we have um seasoned players like kieran trippier who could you know he's got his natural position but he probably could do a really good job in a slightly different position across the back meaning you could bring in a livermento and move move trippier along etc so whilst it's not what we necessarily want to see i think how and mad dog have probably planned for these sorts of eventualities they're meticulous planners they're freak data analyzers and i i i'm not concerned about it i don't think it's something that we need to we need to sort of like get very upset about you know seeing joe linton come on and then immediately go off that is a blow because he was great in in midweek and he clearly wanted to be back on the pitch and he he's, he he offers this physical presence that it really bothers teams but we don't know about that yet so that might be just a just a twinge and we're just protecting him um and and so I'm I'm not getting myself het up about injuries yet because I I do believe that we've got enough in this squad and enough talent and enough planning to kind of cope with it I think we can cope with it but I take your point straight away it was Burnley yeah. It's not Paris Saint-Germain. It's not even West Ham. West Ham are a different kettle of fish as well compared to Burnley. I, 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 I spoke on the pod a couple of weeks ago. Sven Botman may not be our best player, but he's our most important player. And if he gets a big injury, can we cope? Now, is three to four weeks a big injury potentially? If But the fact we've got an international break, I think is an absolute blessing in disguise. Yeah. I really, really do. But I, I, I didn't expect the cells to play yesterday. I thought it might be Matt Target on the left back and Dan Byrne left centre back to keep Fabian Scher in his natural position of the right centre-back. I thought he was fine as left centre-back, but you almost want your better players to play in their better positions. But mm. going back to the injury side of things, I am concerned to an extent because Harvey Barnes being out for three months when Anthony Gordon seems to be playing every single game, Mickey Almiron playing every single game. It's not what it was last season where we were playing one game a week, very rarely playing two games a week. We are playing, you know, we're going to end up playing seven games before another, like in terms of the international break coming up. And then it's another six after that. So have we got the squad? We've got the squad in certain areas to cope, but maybe not in other certain areas. And this is, and this is probably going to be another debate going, well, do we have the cover at centre-back if Botman gets an injury, if Cher gets an injury? That's the test. Let's find out. Yeah, I mean, I agree to an extent you have to be concerned. Look, the start of the season, left-wing position, it was the most filled, it was going to be the most competitive. When we're now going ahead and playing West Ham, Obviously, Gordon's missing it through that yellow card. Mm-hmm. Who's now going to step up in the left wing? Is that going to be Elliot Anderson? Like, because we we don't have another left winger. I'd assume Jacob Murphy could mm. could, could play that. Yeah. But, but you're right, and this is okay. the, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? You know, our most competitive position because you have to throw Joe Linton in there, who was brilliant in that position last season as yeah. well as centre midfield. He's now not an option. Willock we as well. We assume. Joe Willock, again, great shout. And yeah, you know, this is part of being a good team at this level. You play so many games, we are going to have to find, and Eddie Howe's going to have to find solutions to problems he he, he didn't or hoped he wouldn't wouldn't have. And that's why I stay so positive. Like you say, Charlotte, I think Jamal Lascelles in particular deserves so much credit. You know, he comes in, he's he's clearly a better footballer from Eddie Howe's tutelage. Clearly, he looks miles better. Yeah, He's still got that little bit of pace um, over maybe 10 yards you know he's not a fast centre back but he he can kind of keep up with players and get get a last ditch tackle and he's physically dominating and he's he's moving the ball around he's 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 part of that possession build up which 
pre how coming in or even pre maybe last season, you just said he wasn't capable of. He's, he's trying to find forward passes. And what impressed me yesterday so much is that when we kind of do our, I don't know what the right word is, like all in or, you know, all in press where we're just, mm. we're, we're going to press the opposition no matter what when they're in the possession from the back. And the two centre-backs have to step up into midfield and even towards the edge of the opposition penalty box to track their man and press them high. The cells did it. Like you say, Johnny, it would have been easy for Howe to bring in Byrne, who's more accustomed to playing in this team as being part of the press and, you know, maybe you know it's better on the ball and all that kind of stuff. No, no, Lascelles has come in and we haven't had to change things for Lascelles. Oh, that's really, really promising. And then also have to do a big shout out to Fabian Scher as well. Who just... I thought he did a great job yesterday. I, I, that's pretty much all I have to say on that. But when you, you sort of said there, like, it's, it's, not his, it's not his best position, it's not his natural position. I thought it was brilliant. Back to the injuries, though, in, in terms of the context of the week moving forward, Johnny, I do agree with you. We'll find out against better sides how 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 damaging this is. And I think I said in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, can Newcastle United beat Paris Saint-Germain at home? Absolutely they can. Can they do it without Joe Linton and Sven Botman? It's going to be interesting. I think I think, I think think Paris will be absolutely buzzing, buzzing with with that. And although they drew nil-nil at home to a, or away to a bad team last night, Newcastle aren't going to set up with 11 men behind the ball. Um, it's going to be really interesting. It kind of makes you think if we can do it, yeah, you know, we're going to win the fucking whole thing <laughs> because as soon as we get these good players back, we'll be unstoppable. But you know, these two games are massive coming coming up, and this is the beauty about beating Burnley so comfortably is we can just, you know, they can throw everything at them. You know, Burnley at home is probably a game last season that we we don't win. Thinking back to those tough games, particularly with injuries, you know, remember last season when Bruno was out, you know, we just couldn't win. Mm-hmm. When certain players were out, we just looked a shadow of the side, and that wasn't the case yesterday. We haven't even talked about Callum Wilson, who I think definitely would have started this one. Um, and is in great goal scoring form. So these two games coming up are going to be much, much harder. Let's, I can't pretend like they are going to be more difficult to overcome because of the injuries. That doesn't necessarily mean they can't be overcome, but I thought Howe was, was way more open and honest in his post-match media duties about the injuries, particularly to the club's official channel. When he was asked about Joe Linton in particular, he was just like, it's an absolute massive blow if he's not fit for Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Because he was going to be, I imagine, integral to Newcastle's midfield plans. And we'll talk maybe a little bit more about Elliot Anderson later on, but you'd assume, I'd assume that's who he would have come in for. And you saw Joe Linton's importance in that kind of game against Manchester City. And if he's missing, it's absolutely huge. But Charlotte, you're more positive about it. Uh, tell, yes. us, tell, tell, tell us and the listener everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be absolutely fine. We don't know yet about Joe Linton, so I don't like to get too sort of um, down in the dumps or like um, carried away with what might be. I just like to look at what's in front of us. So um, we don't know about Joe Linton yet. There's a question mark. We don't know. There's a question mark over Wilson, but that could also have been a, a, a ta- like a tactic. It could have been arresting because nobody really understands why he wasn't there. He hadn't been mentioned before that um, as much as Eddie Howe was a bit more forthcoming yesterday, he still keeps quite a lot um, of his cards close to his chest. So I'm not, I'm not too um, concerned yet about those things. Those are integral um, players, but I don't know. I, I, I still feel really positive. I think that Paris being at home is a massive, massive boon. Like we're, we're going to um, reap the benefits of that. Um, I think West Ham is, is, like you say, Johnny, it is. They're a different team. They're a, they're a harder team to play. Going away to the London Stadium, one of the worst ever stadiums, is um, is is a harder is a harder job. But I don't know. I, I kind of open it up to you guys whether or not you think 
do you agree with me? Do you think my positivity is misguided or do you think West Ham, PSG, it's just going to be okay? It's just going to be okay. Like, I'd like to say I'm definitely an optimist most of the time, but look, Joe Linton would have been the first name on that team sheet against PSG. Like, he was rested for a day. He, he was planned to come on for whatever, it was 25, 30 minutes max. And I, I just think he's so integral to the way that our midfield plays. And, you know, like you said, Charlotte, we don't know the, um, you know, how, how long he's going to be out for, but... If he does miss that PSG game, it's going to make things really, really difficult. I don't know about what you think, but... I think to counter that, yes, Joe Linton's a miss, but we've got a little lad called Sandro Tonali that can help out. Just a little guy. Mm, little guy. <laughs> Just a little guy called Sandro. A little guy called Sandro who costs 50, 60 million quid. Um, He's men. He's yeah. a really good player. Yeah, exactly. He played, I thought he played well yesterday mm-hmm. when he yeah, came on. Agreed. I thought he just... I thought, you know, everyone's like, oh, no, Joe Linton's injured. But like when Tonali came on, you're just thinking, well... You know, he's a Champions League semi-finalist, you know. AC Milan would devastate when they lost him. But yeah, I I think, I expect the midfield to be Tonali, Longstaff and Bruno. That's a lovely midfield. We would have been delighted with that. (laughs) Now, now Joe Linton not playing is obviously a huge impact and it is massive in that side of things. Um, Again, it's just how long they're out for. It's the the question mark at the minute. We know Barnes is out, out probably till about Christmas. We know that... Botman's probably out for three or four weeks. We don't know how long Joe Linton's out for, but we have coped without Joe Linton in the past. Mm-hmm. It's just, can we do well, it again? He wasn't at AC Milan, you know? He, didn't, he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't exactly. out for that one. So I like it. I like it. See? All will be well. Positivity. <laughs> All will be well. We will have a full a full PSG preview for patrons as well. So get involved for that. We'll, we'll take another advertisement break. Now, a couple more ads. You know what to do if you don't want to listen to them back after these. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Part three of the show, we're going to return to the Burnley game. And Johnny, sorry, even Joel, you want to start us off by talking about one of Newcastle's midfield three. Absolutely. And that, that person goes by the name of Elliot Anderson, who I still want to reinforce. He's only 20 years old. I think people really genuinely forget that. and Because he's I, massive. No. Yeah, yeah. Big he, tank. Look how physical he is. Like, he's now so strong. And I just think his performances, which are now starting to become quite consistent kind of slip under the radar and are overshadowed by people who are assisting in scoring. I just think this season, his, like, I don't know if you've picked up on it, but his first touch is absolutely immaculate. Every single time he gets the ball, he's dribbling. It, it sticks, it's like glue, glue to his foot. Like, the, like, honestly. And I think the next sort of step he needs to take forward is just to get them goals and assists so he gets that recognition. But like, he, in my opinion, has now done enough to... You know, when, when at least when like Joe Linton's out to keep his name in that starting lineup, like 
I just think he's been absolutely brilliant. The way he, he shields the ball, like you said, he's now really strong. Um, he's ball retention. He rarely ever loses the ball. And look, I, I think he is someone who we might now see, I mean, unless Murphy goes there against West Ham, he, he can play left wing. Look, when he was on um, um, loan at Bristol, how well he'd done from that left wing position there. And I, I just think he's came on leaps and bounds this season. I know last season in pre-season, he also done the same. But I think this season, he has took a step forward. And I just think I'm very excited about him going forward. Local lad through the academy, we've got a real gem in our hands. I think um, I agree with you. I really like, I've really enjoyed watching Ellie Anderson progress. And obviously local sort of homegrown talent, all of that stuff is is a lovely thing. And it's a nice story as well. But I just, I also really think he's so attacking minded and he gets in behind players. And he, when we maybe are finding that we're getting a bit stuck in midfield or when we're not managing to break through teams, he, he does bother them. He can come on off the bench and, and change, sort of slightly open out play and, and bring the ball back around for us. So I, I do, I, I've really enjoyed watching him this season and with injuries that we've got, even though I'm relentlessly positive, <laughs> I think he, well, one of the reasons I am relentlessly positive, I suppose, is that you know, you have the faith that a player like him can come in and actually do a job. He's not, he's not just, um, you know, an elastoplast over, a, I don't know what that wound. wound is that. I didn't really want to say wound. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not just a sticking plaster. He's actually a really good um, option for us. So um, I love the call out. I think the only, only one thing I'd, I would add, you talk about goals and assists. You should have had one against Nottingham Forest last year, which I still, still nags me, but he was unlucky not to get a goal yesterday. Mm. You know, he should. He was unlucky. It was a good save by the goalkeeper. I'd argue he probably should have scored. Yeah. But the biggest compliment I can give Elliot Anderson, he's got the trust of the Newcastle players. He's got the trust of the the manager, and he's now getting the trust of the supporters because now when you see his name on the team sheet, you're like, yeah, that's fine. I'm happy with that because he he does a, he does a specific job. I think we were talking about Sean Longstaff for a long time, going, why is he in this eleven? What does he do? Why do people like? Why why does the manager like him? We're seeing that now with Sean Longstaff, but with Elliot Anderson, we are seeing that more regularly. And I think getting Premier League games and the fact that we have so many games, I think benefits him. I think him playing Premier League games week in week out only makes him better. Um, and yeah, England, England and Scotland are fighting over him, but he's certainly a Newcastle boy. I thought he grew into the game yesterday. I think Joel, your point about him getting goals and assists for confidence purposes is a good one because. He he will feel it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you say, Johnny, he scored against Forrest and then the, 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 some bloke in a room somewhere decided to look for a reason to take it off him. And yeah, he the more he's on the ball, the better he gets. I feel sometimes he quite naturally, because he's not played loads of first team football for Newcastle, he struggles to get into games. I thought he struggled mm-hmm. to get in the first half yesterday. Until about I think actually when Newcastle took the lead, there was a little bit of a load off his shoulders and he started to to play a bit more. Like you say, his ability to keep the ball and find a teammate will not be um, underappreciated by the management. That's what we want to do. We want to keep possession, want to recycle the ball, want to go through phases, and he's really good for that. I think is the biggest thing he's got going from is his versatility. Newcastle now rarely sign a player who can only play one position. Mm. Um, Tonali can play anywhere in the midfield. Isak can play anywhere across a forward line. Gord, Gordon can play anywhere across a forward line. Barnes can play either side. Newcastle and how I think want to sign players who can do more than one function, and Anderson just fits that perfectly. Is he? I actually think his his, his future still could be as as left attacking midfield, and if that is the solution we have to go to at West Ham, then it's not a bad solution to have, and it's also an opportunity for him to therefore put a, 
a claim down to that position, which doesn't really have anyone else currently apart from Gordon to play there. I was just, I was just going to quickly add, Alex. Um, he actually did an interview this week with uh, with Keith Downey from Sky Sports, and he basically he asked him the question, "What do you, what is your best position?" And he said it was the midfield. It was where he's basically really? playing at this moment in time, which I found quite interesting actually. But I suppose. I would imagine he's probably played most of, in that position for his, you know, for his youth uh, youth teams and obviously through the through the academy. But as Jill says, he has got that flexibility, as you've mentioned, Eddie Howe's going right. I want to I want to play that can play a couple of positions. So it gives me more ideas and more selection headaches, which is brilliant. But I found that quite interesting, actually. Really did. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that interview as well. He said he likes to play as a left number eight and as a box to box, which is interesting. So, like you said, Charlie, I think he is more attacking minded, mm. but. He has now got that physicality to play that box-to-box <laughs> role. And look, he, he, he's turned, he used to be someone who, it would be like, oh yeah, Anderson, sort of academy lad, he'd come on, have a cameo. Oh yeah, he, he done all right. But now look, he, he's one of our starters and he is affecting games. He's affecting the way we're playing. He's having an impact on the team. And I just think he's, he's genuinely such, he's going to be such a superstar and he's really close. And I just hope he gets that goal soon enough. He had two big chances yesterday. Like you said, that the, the Forest away game, that goal was harshly ruled out. He's very close, and trust me, a goal is coming. <laughs> we trust you. We trust yeah. you, Joe. Yeah. Ultimately, Newcastle's midfield of Anderson, Bruno, and Longstaff, if you'd said that would be the starting midfield, kind of out of choice. I know there's injuries there. But kind of out of choice after we beat Villa 5-1. I don't think many people would have gone along with that. So those two lads in particular, Longstaff and Anderson, have done so well to force their way into the side on on merit alone and a little bit of injury stuff. Returning to the front three, though, Johnny, you want to talk about our wide player, so take Yeah, away. I thought, I, I want to talk about Miguel Almiron first, and then I'll touch up briefly about Gordon. I thought Almiron was absolutely fantastic yesterday. I could argue it was his best performance of the season so far. I think, great finish, as we've mentioned. That, that is a, an Almiron goal, if you like. You know, Ollie's left foot cuts in and it curls into the top corner, very similar to the one against Everton uh, last season as well. Is this the start of his purple patch? And I mean, Shark were just talking about that before. And you know, let's let's hope it is because if he is, if he is on form, we saw what he was like last year. He was arguably the player, of the, the player of the first half because of how important he's been and getting the goals, getting assists. Hopefully, this hopefully he can continue with that. But on the thirty seventh minute, he crossed it with his right foot, and yeah. I was like, oh my mm. god, there is a god who <laughs> uses it. As, as I was standing next to Ben at the match, and he said, I'm, I'm feeling quite faint. I, I'm going to fall down, I think. And I thought he'd been serious. <laughs> and I was like, are you okay, mate? When I've just seen Miguel on the wrong cross with his right foot. <laughs> and it was actually not bad. It was. Do you know what it was? It was such a good cross that no one even thought about going into the box for it because they were like, <laughs> no, it's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but... Just let's just see more for it because he's, he's right. working on it. Yeah, definitely. I just like just don't use your right foot just to stand on. You know, I, I understand the argument. Well, if my left foot, left foot's great, I'll make it even better. But let's let's use his let's use your right foot as well. But I thought he was outstanding. I actually think as well. He, um, you know, in terms of the little spaces he finds to, in terms of where Kieran Trippier and Sean Longstaff find him in that in that right hand side of the midfield, I think he, he he was absolutely fantastic and just relieving a little bit of pressure at times at, um, against Burnley, but. Yeah, really, really good performance. And then briefly on Anthony Gordon. Oh, we'll, co- we'll come on to Gordon. Oh, we'll come on to Gordon. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's Alex give... isn't ready. To no, no, on. yeah. I want to say some things now, come on because, because you, I agree with everything you're saying. I'll always be aware with you when Miguel Almiron crossed with his right foot. <laughs> In the ground watching him, obviously. Um, two things about Almiron. Number one, he has already been dropped this season. And one of the best things about Miggy is that he just takes it. He just How many Premier League clubs and managers have issues with particularly forward players when they've got to take them off the team and they're not happy. He got dropped for the Brentford game. 
And he's managed to come back in pretty quickly. But whenever he gets dropped, he comes back better. I love it about him. He doesn't let his head go down. He's relentlessly positive. We need that kind of character in this squad. And, you know, people talk about your Sean, Sean Longstaffs, your Jacob Murphys, Elliot Andersons, who are probably happy to be in and out the side. Maybe a Sandro Tonali, I don't know, isn't, but would be expecting to play. It doesn't mean he's being difficult or unhappy. But for Almiron to already come back from being dropped is massive for me. And to come back improved and to have scored in the two league games since he was dropped just speaks absolute volumes about him. And then the beauty of that goal, what I love about it is the old Miguel Almiron Prieri, how doesn't in a million years take that shot? Never, never in a million years even thinks about shooting from there. Unbelievable work, as usual, from Kieran Trippier. Newcastle, again, my favourite goals at Newcastle score. It doesn't matter how they go in the net, it's when we press teams high and win the ball back high. It's brilliant because it's such a, it's such a risky strategy. You have, you have to risk so much to do that. And we got that reward yesterday. You know, Burnley were in the game first 10, 10 minutes. Burnley were in, in the game as much as Newcastle were. And that little bit of quality from Almiron sets up all of the things we've talked about today. And I was right behind it in the corner. It was, you know, was able to, the ball kind of moved, curled around the keeper's hand. And the keeper, even though he's, his starting position is okay, he's nowhere near it. He's not saving that in a million years. And that's just quality at the highest level. And I just, we're, we're so lucky to have a player like him. He pisses people off for, the, for reasons you all know. But yeah, what a what a goal and what a player. And you just feel, particularly with these two games coming up this week, if there's one player you can rely on to run for 90 to 100 minutes in each fixture and give everything he's got, it's Almiron. And I'm just so pleased for him. I found with his goal yesterday, um, I found myself thinking immediately after, like, I wish I could rewind real life. I just want to watch that again. Like, you know, on the telly, they'll play replays. And I was like, why can't I see a replay of that right now? It's like, oh, because I live, I'm in the moment. Live for little Charlotte. But it was it was just so beautiful. It was just such a, I originally thought I was saying to Johnny before we um, started recording, I, I thought it was just a bit too high. I thought it was going to go over the bar. Um, and it just, oh, it was just, it was just lovely. Yeah, I've seen that one from the Gallagher. And, and honestly, as soon as it left his boot, it, it was in. You literally seen it just mm. going in the top corner. And, just, you know, adding on what you've said there, I think his attitude is probably one of the best in the squad. And I think that's what Howe turns to. Um, his confidence, again, hopefully this sets him off on another purple patch, like you said. But look, the way he applies Eddie, Eddie Howe's pressing, his positional play, we're so comfortable at building the ball up on the right with him and Trippier. Like yesterday, they linked up so well. And I think towards the end of last season, it's sort of some of the passing um, patterns that we were doing became predictable. But I think we've changed it up a bit again. And I just think that is such a good way we can now progress the ball up the pitch with Almiron and Trippier. And look, like you've said, he gets slated a lot, right? And I've personally, I've made it clear, I think he's way too often scapegoated. Um, but look, when he's got performance like that, like where are the people? They're just they're silent every time. He's one of our most consistent performers. And I don't blame Eddie Howe for, for him for picking him every weekend. Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with anything you said. Really, I think. It, I think it was a really good point that you made, Alex. The fact that he didn't play that Champions League game. I think that was like, oh no, I've been waiting all this time at Newcastle. <laughs> Jacob Murphy's been given the nod over me. I need to sort that out. I need to make sure I'm back in this team ASAP. Um, yeah, he was. He, look, he was. He was like I say, he was. He was brilliant. He was brilliant yesterday. Long may it continue. And Gordon, <clears throat> you're allowed now. I'm allowed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I can't believe the slight turnaround from the end of the season. Everyone was kind of going against Manchester City. Oh my God, we've paid 40 million and he can't do anything. And now he's probably, is he the first name on the on the team sheet in that first Not straight? for West Ham. 
Not for West Ham, of course. <laughs> but in terms of if he's not suspended, I think he's the first name on the three at this moment in time. And that he's so in form. And I know he's played Burnley and Sheffield United, but they, they didn't know what to do with him. They just don't know what to do. Do we go? Do we go touch tight? No, because he's got the pace to go past you, and he loves to cut inside. Do we let him? Do we give him a few yards? No, because if he takes the ball and runs past me, and you know he, he can link with so many different players. I, mean, I like the little partnership he's got with Elliot Anderson as well. I've just noticed in the last couple of games, I just think that I like that. It's just, it's just they both trust each other. I remember the goal against Chelsea last season where Anderson puts on a great assist for Gordon. I think since that moment for Anthony Gordon, I think there's something just switched in his head and going, right, I need to really show how good I can be. And I, I, England under 21 is brilliant. Start the season off fantastically. Again, just as long as he stays fit, he's, he's starting games. And I think now he knows that and he knows what the level's got to be to stay in this team because there is competition. We've mentioned Harvey Barnes, we've mentioned Jacob Murphy, we've made, uh, mentioned Miguel Moron. You've seen Joe Linton and he's that can play on the left if needed. There's a lot of competition for places. You've got to make sure you stay in that game. And just one tiny little thing, Bruno was magnificent yesterday. Mm. Arguably his best game uh, of the season. It's just nice to be saying best game of the season, best game of the season for so many different players. And again, let's hopefully we can say that again on Wednesday. Still so much season to come, isn't that so exciting? Yeah. Um, what incredible foresight from Anthony Gordon, by the way, to leave Everton. Like to to <laughs> to go on did he go he went on strike, didn't he? And then he was like, This is me, I wanna go. Um, really good. Well done to him. And all I love thinking about all of the his attitude's terrible, he's gonna be really bad, he's not of an Eddie Howe player. It's like, well let let Eddie Howe be the judge of that, shall we? He is just such a joy to watch his athleticism. He is so fast. He has no issue getting into um, into a, a load of players and just collecting the ball and then bombing it down the pitch. He is just so much fun to watch as well as, as um, you know, just sort of admiring how much he's come on. And so, yeah, big fan of Gordon. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think he's sort of this pugnacious sort of attitude he had Eddie Howe's made made use of it. I mean, we all know it was his signing. He he wanted him long before we actually got him. Um, and, and it's now just the talent he's showing. He also matches it with his work ethic. Like, look how many times yesterday he won the ball, ball back. Like, and, and this was this was actually a common theme when he was at Everton as well. His interceptions, like, were in the top one percent, I think, against other wingers in the Premier League. And I just he's carried it on for us, and he's. He's now become so vital and you could really argue, I mean, he should be getting called up for England soon. Mm. Is, is he England's second best left winger? Anyone else agree with that? I think he's better. I think he's on more on form than Marcus Rashford yeah. is. And, no. but, but the problem is it's Marcus Rashford, isn't it? And he plays for a yeah. team down, down in Manchester. Well, not even in Manchester, but I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind a little bit on that. But <laughs> yeah, he, he should be getting at least a look in, but you know for a fact that Gareth Southgate won't choose him. You, just, yeah. you, you know that on Thursday, that's not going to be a name that's on that thing on that team sheet. But I'm yeah, all right with it for that. now. Yeah. You know, like the, yeah. like let, let him let him let him be so good that he's impossible to ignore. And you yeah. could argue he's already done that. But in terms of maybe goals and assists, he, he 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 can he can probably put figures on the board across the season that it would be impossible not to take him to the Euros. Right now, we just need everyone to stay and train and not get yeah. not 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 get injured. Uh, really quickly on Gordon for me I just love how he wins that penalty he's got no desire to do anything with that ball apart from put his body in between the player trying to tackle it and win a penalty it's so smart it's so it's so it's so game aware and that's that's the massive improvement in his form I think since the he first came in. He's just he's just aware of, of the game and how to play his part in it and how to play his role and even just the little recycling of possession with his um 
with his left side of, of Anderson and Burns just just last two games in particular has been exactly what Howe wants so really good from Anthony he's got a good song as well always helps yeah. always helps having a good song uh let's talk about finally Charlotte Alexander Isak Alexander Isak and we've talked about all these players um this uh podcast about yesterday who had their best game of the season Alexander Isak didn't have anywhere near his best game of the season yesterday and he was still absolutely class like he's just it, it, I mean, there were several chances in the first half and, and in the second half, actually, where he really should be scoring and he wasn't scoring. But that penalty, it was just very beautiful. It was just... He's just the coolest player I think I've ever seen. He doesn't seem to... Um, I know that we know what pressure is for, but he just doesn't <laughs> seem to feel pressure particularly. He doesn't seem to... Um, get in his head he doesn't lose his head he's not one of the players that will get into fights on the pitch or into scraps he you know he, he had his shirt pulled like from about the halfway line to about the penalty spot from by a Burnley player yesterday and he's not looking to get in the face of the Burnley player it was so obvious they, 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 it was pathetic from the referee not to give that yeah pathetic it was it was just he but he also didn't like he's not a player that seems to be like what the fuck like why aren't you he's just like gets on with it and um I just thought it was mint yesterday. Like I say, not his best performance. Um, and he'll be frustrated by that as well, although we will never know because he's cool and he doesn't show it. I imagine he'll be frustrated by some of those missed chances, by that sort of open goal that he was at at one point and he still couldn't um, couldn't get it in. But I just, I love that penalty yesterday. It uh, Again, was like, I wish I could replay that. Happily, somebody in one of my WhatsApp groups had sent a recording of the TV so I could replay it quite quickly. But um, I'm just so excited for what he has to bring to this team. He he is also a versatile player, like you say, Alex. So if, if Wilson came in, they can play together. Um, Isak can move out to the um, to the left, or and and it's just I just think I just love watching him. I just love watching him play, and I thought it was brilliant yesterday, even though he wasn't. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that the beauty in Alexander Isak is he can have a what we would call a quiet game. But then when when that goal needs to be scored, he, he steps up and, he, and he's done this really since since we've brought him in. And I think that's what makes him so good. I mean, this happens as well. I don't know if he's watched City much, but Haaland can go a game with like less than 20 touches. But look, when he gets that chance later on, you might have missed a few before, he, he ends up stepping up, he ends up scoring. And that's what we've got in Alexander Isak. Look, I think, I think Wilson still, I, I would back him slightly more to score a goal over um, Isaac. But Isaac's turning into that player where you can really rely on him and that's what you need from a goal scorer. Yeah, I, I would only add to that. I don't think he's 100% fit. Yeah. I, I really don't. Yeah. I, I watched him on Wednesday and I know it was Man City and he was running around for a lot. But I, I just, I don't think he's a 100% fit at all. I really don't. But I take your point, Charlotte. He's still scoring goals. And we, I've seen like... I think Alan Shearer once said, you know, I don't care if I don't play well. If I see my name in the paper, Newcastle win and Shearer scored. In this case, Newcastle win, Isaac scored. I'm not bothered. And at the minute, I'm not bothered either. He's one and two in the Premier League. He's Ever since he's come back from that injury, he's, he has been pretty consistent and he has been outstanding for Newcastle. And, he's, and I do think we'll see him on the left occasionally. I think we will see Wilson up top and Isaac on the left if, if Gordon is suspended or injured. Um, but again, it's another option, but... I, I, I'm comfortable with Isaac. I think I think Isaac probably starts on Wednesday, not because he doesn't deserve to be or he does deserve to be or anything like that. I just don't think Callum Wilson will be risked because he needs two strikers to be fit 
for the majority of the season because if any of them are out for more than a certain period of time, we haven't got any other options. We've mm-hmm. only got the Isaac and Isaac and Wilson, which are two great, you know, players. But who else is there? Jacob Murphy up top, Anthony Gordon up top. Gordon, yeah, but he doesn't really want to play him there. No, he doesn't. But you don't you don't want to play your better players out of the positions, which we've mentioned before. Yeah, I don't think Isaac played well Esther by his very high standards, but it's even more impressive, like you've all said, that that's the sign of a good striker, although it was just a penalty, it was a very well taken penalty. They did that weird thing where Bruno pretended he was going to take yeah. it. I just yeah. like my dad went, Is Bruno taking this? And I was like, No, I'm not. <laughs> um, but yeah, fine. But it, it you know, it kind of it worked against Forrest because of the drama, but yeah, it seems a bit strange thing to say. Not that it matters. Why not? Um, you know, Isak Isak it will come, the sharpness will come, the fitness will come, the you know, he's a very intuitive striker where he kind of doesn't have to think about things. It felt like he was overthinking things yesterday when he was played in a, in a few good positions on the edge of the box and he, he wanted too many touches. But, you, you know, if you can have your, your main striker have a bit of an off day, still score, get three points, you, you're a pretty good side. And we are that. So that works well for us. <laughs> We're going to leave this podcast there. Thanks so much for listening uh, or watching. Um, we're on Patreon, three to eight pounds a month. Come and get involved for the week of weeks. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for PSG at home. We've got match previews. We've got opposition fans. We've got in-depth reviews of this game and all three this week. Uh, we've also got match day podcast instant reaction out about an hour after the final whistle. Come and join us on Patreon, three to eight pounds a month. Would love to have you along. It keeps all of this stuff going that we do on the free show as well. So thanks to you guys, my colleagues, for joining me. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>